Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover artist, band. This week we're talking about the Smiths. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. And this is Tyler. And once again this week, we're talking about The Smiths. And how did everybody feel about listening to The Smiths this week? I'm going to start with Tyler. Pretty good. Smiths are pretty good. It's also uh, was a, a short week, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. But um, I like The Smiths for the most part. They're kind of interesting. Um Sometimes they're kind of hard to place. I mean, they kind of created the jangle pop situation mm-hmm. in a lot of ways with their first release, but their sound kind of shifts a little bit over time. Um, Morrissey's like what he brings less so necessarily, I guess. He kind of maintains his style of singing, which is already like kind of different enough over the course of their discography, but they switch in and out of like some certain different things. There's a little bit of surf thrown in there, kind of like a little bit of like a country thrown in there mm-hmm. on Meat is Murder, you know what I mean? So. It's weird for an English band to do some of that stuff. I have, I find it kind of easy and sometimes to, um, to kind of compare them to the cure in a way. Yeah. They, uh, I, I do but, think that they're quite different in a lot of ways, but I could understand, mm-hmm. you know, they very, very similar time periods. They're both, you know, kind of coming up in similar ways, I guess. I, yeah, I, I get it. Well, especially during like the the darker period, like the first those first four albums of The Cure are probably closer to here than anything from you know it, once they hit full out new wave on. It's, it's not really like it's much harder to place there, but they're a little bit closer to some of the earlier stuff. And all in all, they're pretty good. Like Johnny Marr is a good guitar player. There's some pretty interesting guitar work that happens. I think like the first album for me is where some of the more interesting guitar work happens. I would agree with that. And then from then on, it kind of, they kind of find a little bit of a groove and find some influences that kind of are a little more normal, I guess you could say, or a little more familiar, but all in all, like the Smiths are pretty good. I think that, I think for me, I would prefer to just create a large playlist with songs. I really like than listen to each album like all through all through sometimes like some of them can get tiring a little bit mm-hmm. uh, but there's so i think there's like lots of good things to find if you were to just listen to an entire album i think that makes sense what about you jared i i thought it was uh pretty good i'd never listened to like full discography of the smiths before i just knew um the big hits of their music and was interested in listening to them um did you find that you were disappointed in the album experience or do you think like, cause I know that sometimes for you, it ends up being a situation where you like the hits and then you don't like really a whole lot of anything else. I think that I liked it because I think I liked it more than that because I was, I know that Morrissey writes very odd songs. Like he, like long titles of songs and like the lyrics are very strange. Um, I liked some of his solo stuff, which we might get into a little bit. Actually, he just had a new album come out this year uh, that I listened to as well, and it was interesting. It was actually a pretty good album, honestly. Um, it is called I Am Not a Dog on a Chain. That's what he says. 
Um, but it's the same style of songwriting. He has a song called uh, You're the One for Me, Fatty, which is a fun little mean. That's a mean thing. He's a mean guy. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that. He's a problematic sure, he's, man. Yes. Uh, as we've discussed the past several weeks, some problematic people. Uh, he has some views that maybe are, are not good. Really. We can't seem to get away from it these days. No. But, it's kind of odd anyway, all yeah. in all. Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting song uh, in their discography is the song Meat is Murder. It's very, it's like a long, drawn out, like cow noises yeah. and buzz saws. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's odd. It's pretty yeah. cool though. It's, yeah. It definitely stood out to me when I heard it. I don't think I'd, I knew the song. I knew I, I knew the title of it, but I don't think I'd ever listened yeah. to the whole song before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was weird. It was a, an interesting song. But yeah, I, I liked this week. I am glad I didn't pick it. Like, I, originally, The Smiths was my pick for the month. And then I changed my pick to Fall Out Boy. And Caleb said, well, let's just still do The Smiths. And I'm glad that I am not responsible for picking it because I would be more disappointed. That's fair. But it's not, I didn't pick it anymore. It was out of my hands, hands, and we still listened to it, and I'm glad we did, but I don't think that I would have liked if I picked it because sure. I didn't love what we did. Yeah. But I did like some interesting things. That makes sense. I will also mention when it comes to Meat is Murder, which is another thing that a lot of people... So I think a lot of people just... I mean, yes, grading is kind of the way to look at Morrissey. Obviously, problematic is a, a word for it, but a lot of people just find him obnoxious in a lot of ways, and Meat is Murder is a good example of that because... He is vegetarian at the time and then eventually became vegan. Uh, and he's very kind of in your face about his views. Like there are times when he'll, like if he's performing concerts, then he'll say that the, the venue is not allowed to serve meat during the show. And so they have to choose to have like vegetarian options at their, their location. That's kind of weird. Because Yeah, but he's performing and he'll be like, no, I'm not performing if you're going to have meat here. Hmm. So he's like, you know, kind of, again, he's kind of in your face about his viewpoints. Um, and yes. Mita's Murder is a little bit on the nose in terms of what the message is of the album. Doesn't he, he says things negatively about Jewish people, right? Uh, I don't know about that specific demographic, but, but probably. Is that, what's his big nationalism? Thing? Oh, yes. Just in general, yeah, he's, nationalism. He's been supporting far right stuff. Hmm. Which is weird. Like he's honestly, he seems just like a big ball of, of nonsense, all right? Tied together. Well, I don't think like, that he was really like that far right early on. I feel like he kind of made a shift as he got older. Yeah, but like it's weird to think that a person who is known as an animal rights advocate, a person who has like whose sexuality is continually in question, mm-hmm. um, because they're like a person who, um, is in their own way like kind of living outside the bounds of like defined sexuality in a way. Like, those people don't typically move to an alt-right position. Sure. I mean, keep in mind, though, because I think that a lot of his alt-right personification is a little bit more specific to, like, the UK. Like, I think that their alt-right is very different from, like, the United States' alt-right, which is obviously, you know... It's still bad. It's still um, very, very um, nationalistic in terms of. So basically what um, Morrissey feels is that he doesn't want um, immigrants coming into the UK because he doesn't want to soil the image of, you know, being from Britain, which Mm. is inherently bad. It's not the way you want to look at the world in a way of like only people can come in. No one can come in because we're kind of our own master race is basically how he sees it in a way. 
obviously problematic. So, I mean, but that is, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But I think that that mindset, because we live in the U.S., where uh, like you know anybody has an opportunity in the in this country, and we've kind of historically uh, not been against immigration. We are immigrants on this land, mm-hmm. um, and. So, like, this country historically has been more pro-immigration, and so when you see other countries that aren't that way, you're like, why do they think that? It's like, well, because historically their country hasn't been that right, way. Right, right. So well, it just kind of makes sense for that as well. Yeah, kind of, but, it, I mean, if you know, like, the history of, like, immigration in, in England, like, as a country, for instance, who had lots of colonies throughout the world, they pulled lot. they basically, like, robbed, in a way, the cultures of these places and in a lot of ways like for instance there's a large middle eastern and like indian uh, population living in england especially in london uh so the uk is like it's not like they've not had uh you know it's not a country made of immigrants in the way we are uh i mean it really kind of is if you go back far enough you know what i mean yeah like what's not in a way um but they like immigration has still had its role, had a large as it's had a large role, especially uh, you know as being someone who colonizes so many places. Uh, how how the England. United States even exists to begin with is you know right. based on that. So the other thing, um, so we don't get too far into the weeds of that conversation. Um, the other thing that he's done that's pretty pretty problematic is uh, he supported people like Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. and kind of spoke out in their defense. Which is a weird hill to die on, but hmm. so, but yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. th- those are really the big things. But um, we can move past that, and we can talk about. But Johnny Mars done none of those things. Johnny Mars so is a good just, musician. <laughs> he was also in Modest Mouse. That is true. He was temporarily. Yes, he was. Tyler, I would think you'd be the person who want to talk a little bit about that. We can talk a little bit about it. I we did talk about it a little bit on the Modest Mouse episode, but he joined the band officially. Johnny Marr did during just before and then was a member during the recording of We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sang, Mm -hmm. which for me is is probably one of the more primary reasons that that album swayed so much closer to pop than any of the rest of the albums up until that point. It would make sense. Uh, So because he was not only was a performing member, but a writing member. He wrote on that album and it's just it's like weird. That's kind of a weird, interesting thing. I would love to know if you all can think of any other bands that had like because modest mouse is interesting because it started as you know with just a few guys and it's really kind of at some point adopted kind of an open door policy where a lot of different people not even like big people but just lots of musicians for the sake of getting different sounds have moved through Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see a band who was coming up and popular or about to be popular uh at that time ask a person in a band that you know because his big known, I mean, he's mostly known for the Smiths and this guitar playing and style that he mm-hmm. created there. And so it's weird to like ask someone like that to come in or invite them in and then just see what happens. You know what I mean? It's like two big sure. people coming together and just doing whatever. And it really only lasted for the extent of like an album tour kind of thing. Jared will hate this, um, this example. Uh, another band that has kind of turned into that is Swans. 
because Michael Jira, then they were kind of a band initially, but now he's kind of just like the lead guy who does all the music and just kind of has a revolving door of people coming in to help him make the music. Nine so. Inch Nails is the same way. That's true. Nine Inch Nails is a good example of that as well. And Nine Inch Nails is a good example. Can you think of like a big person like a Johnny Marr that has been in any of those groups? No. Mm, like that's what's so. just kind of weird. It's like mm-hmm. Johnny Marr is a prominent guitar player who's like really career was almost 20 years before that right in terms of the the big contribution and they're just like you want to come join our band and he's like yeah it is it's an odd concept for sure he just wanted to float on the song there you go i i will say because what's important to know about the smiths um is the way that they made music just kind of in general was that morrissey wrote the lyrics and kind of um I guess kind of the the way that the lyrics would obviously be like portrayed throughout the song. He would kind of do like the the melody and such, and then Johnny Marr would write the music. He was the one who kind of you know did the bass part, the the drum part, the guitar part. You know, all of the all of the instrumentation was kind of on Johnny Marr. So you know, if you think about like which piece of you know the Smiths that you're more interested in, if you happen to be more interested in the instrumentation than the lyrics and the way he sings then you probably aren't even that thrilled on Morrissey to begin with. You're probably more interested in Johnny Marr in general. It's not just one guy writing the music. They're two separate people who kind of come together and put things together in a lot of ways. Mm. So, and I think, because there's a lot of controversy too, if you looked into it, about um, the Smiths and how they split up money. Mm. Uh, Did you guys look into that at all? No. They're not Fall Out Boy. No. Tyler, are you aware of this at all? No, I am not. Speaking so, of what you were saying, like I, I get that difference—the difference of like the Smiths are weird because there's a bit of a juxtaposition between what you're getting musically and what you're getting from the vocals, mm-hmm. like the delivery. Because Morrissey's delivery is really kind of like it's just kind of weird. I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like for I like the vocals and I like his style of delivery. I think it fits in a lot of ways. But for me, for instance, and what you were saying, I'm much more interested in the musical aspect of it mm-hmm. so uh, which oh go ahead I'm sorry which just it does put me off from morrissey's like i don't listen to morrissey his solo career i don't really like morrissey's solo career that much i'm not a huge fan of sense. it myself i've heard maybe one or two albums the two kind of big ones of his and i, I just didn't find them super interesting when i had listened yeah. to them I, it, maybe if i went back on them after listening to more of the smiths i'd be more interested but not from what i remember so uh, the story goes, uh, this is, it's all about royalties on this one, is that uh, Marr and Morrissey, uh, they took 40% each. So Morrissey took 40, Marr took 40, and then the other two members, um, Joyce and Rourke, took 10% each. Oh my. They thought that they were getting 25, and they, in fact, were not. Um, so there was a big dispute over that where they were both kind of trying to fight for how long did they think they were getting 25 a long time oh my it, it took until about 1989 that they started the legal proceedings so it was 83 oh, wow. i believe when they started mm-hmm. so Something it took them like that. took them you know half a decade to figure out that they were not making as much money as they should have oh, my. and uh, unfortunately from what i remember one of the members kept going like you know kept pursuing it and the other one gave up and the one i, th- I think if i remember correctly um that the one who gave up is the one who is uh, declared bankruptcy oh back in uh, 99. Oh my. So he, you know, he obviously kind of struggled 
after not receiving the amount of money that he rightfully should have received. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awful, honestly. Like it, it's it's odd that cuz really the way that they argued in court is that they were just being treated as like session musicians, mm. which in like, you know, in kind of a weird way they were, I guess, cuz they weren't writing the music, it was really Mar and Morrissey, but they were performing it. They were a part of yeah, it. They were touring, they were doing everything otherwise. Like yeah, if they're on to... if if they're all four on a music video. Mm-hmm. They're all in the music video. So, like, how would you be paid that much less for doing the exact same job? Right. That doesn't seem... That's not fair. Or, like, you do a a, a press thing, and it's like, Morrissey isn't 40% more there. Right. You know? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, not... It's, uh, that's well, bad. no. Yeah. It's about... I mean, that's what... I mean, it can make more sense for royalties to split things up. Not, I think that way still doesn't make sense, but it makes more sense for maybe uh, Morrissey and Johnny Marr to make more in terms of royalties. But in terms of like live performances, mm. you know what I mean? It's about doing the job while you're there. Mm. Just like what Jared said, like uh, that's where it gets weird. What I also think is kind of weird too, is like, like those two, I would think that that would create like some weird stuff between Morrissey, Johnny Moore and these two guys. Yeah. But when you look at the, uh, when you like take a look at Andrew works discography, he continued to play for Morrissey in Morrissey's solo career. Oh my. And he's on multiple Morrissey singles, like four or five Morrissey singles. Oh my. In that's, his solo career. Yeah. So just kind of like, like that's weird. It's he's probably also, because he needed the money. Well, yeah, but it's like weird to think that, I mean, it's weird to think that he would come to Morrissey and be like, hey, can I, you know, be on here? But I I doubt that that's what happened. I mean, I would think that it would be unlikely that he would say, please let me play bass on your albums, Morrissey. I think Morrissey would probably just been like, you can come play bass on here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though you just, he just sued you. So I don't know. That's kind of weird. I wonder, I don't know a lot about like, the relationship between these guys in terms of like it's not great how yeah i know they're, it's not they have great a bad but i don't know like or you're just basing it off of that oh no there's a there's bad blood between really all of them at this point yeah. um i think that uh rourke and joyce are still kind of okay but otherwise it's kind of um i mean that's really why they broke up to begin with mm. is what happened was was that uh mar wanted to take a break from the group Mar had said, you know, he was really burnt out. I think he had some drug problems that he was struggling with during that period of time. And so he was going to step away and Morrissey took it as a slight. And so, um, and there's, there's other instances too. There's a whole situation, um, where it's, it's very, very complicated and very confusing. So Rourke was fired from the band because he was struggling with use of heroin and, uh, allegedly, um, he was fired via post-it note. So a post-it note was uh, on his the windscreen of his car that read, Andy, you have left the Smiths. Goodbye and good luck, Morrissey. Morrissey has denied this, of course. But he was fired, but then brought back in, and the replacement was kept as a rhythm guitarist. Hmm. So they fired him, brought him back in, and said, hey, that guy who replaced you, we're going to keep him, too. Didn't that happen with the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something like that? Maybe. I'm not sure. What band was it that like got rid of uh, one of the members or they left and then when they wanted to come back um, they just kept the other musician that had replaced Man, them. I can't remember. We, that's you know actually a group about? that we covered recently, I think. Yeah, the, what we're talking about? I can't remember who it was. I'm not sure. Dang. I can't remember. Let either. us know in the comments section or something. Yeah, I don't know what that yeah. So to go back to um, the relationship between them, basically what it came down to was that uh, Morrissey was inflexible about 
how the music should go. Mar wanted to experiment a little bit more and only kind of got a little bit of experimentation out of it. But um, Morrissey was just, he wanted to do his thing. And Morrissey was angry because Mar was taking a break and was wanting to um, play music with other people a little bit. So he, he wasn't he wasn't too happy about sharing his musicians. Um, so they, I mean, they broke up before the release of Strange Ways Here We Come, their last album. Like they had, they had already split up before that album had even been released, and the albums did really well. You know, it was number two in the UK. All of their albums were either I think all of them were either in one or two. Um, I think Meet Is Murder is the only one that hit one, but I think all three of their other albums hit number two. Hmm. So even including an album when they were not even together anymore. So I'm just looking at Morrissey's solo albums. And uh, he's got some interesting titles. And on the album Years of Refusal, in which he's holding a baby on the front of cover, mm. uh, he has a song uh, called It's Not Your Birthday Anymore. Hmm. Which he- is about every day of the year except one. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> um, he, they do have some some odd titles, like the Smiths specifically have some mm-hmm. odd titles. Uh I would say so like we can get into this obviously so the queen is dead is considered one of the best albums of all time by a lot of people Um, enemy the um, the UK based magazine listed it as the number one album of all time Um, so it's you know it's pretty well respected at this point in time Uh, I like that album quite a bit I used to not love it but I have two songs off of that album that I just kind of find a little obnoxious and it's the whole reason why like that album isn't as good as it could have been for me. Uh, one of them is Frankly Mr. Shankly. I like that song. I don't like it. It's weird. It's like a Beatles song almost. It mm-hmm. doesn't fit in with the rest of their discography well, like at all. Yeah. Um, and the other one is the one um, that obviously has perhaps one of the weirdest titles of the Smith songs and one that is kind of universally not liked by a lot of people. Uh, Some girls are bigger than others. That's, yep. Oh, come on now. Kind of interesting one. It's true. <laughs> It is we true. don't know what it means, Jared. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, what was the, what was the song about being? You're the one for me, fatty. Yeah, I think you know what some girls are bigger than others <laughs> is about. We're gonna go ahead and go on a limb. What a weird way to close an album. Mm. Like with everything that they're doing on the Queen is Dead to close out with some girls are bigger than others. You're just kind of fl- like deflating what everything had happened otherwise. Especially when yeah. uh, when the second to last song is there is a light that never goes out. Which yeah, is which great is the, song large, the biggest Smith song that there is, really. Mm. Yeah. I think the first song that I heard from them when I was kind of discovering uh, music, this kind of music back when I was a child, uh, you know, like got my iPod, my first iPod, trying to get some stuff, was uh, Stop Me If You Think You've Heard This One Before, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but uh, this will uh, lead me into my favorite song, mm. which is the other song I knew from them, which is the song Girlfriend in a Coma. Ah. That, I love that song. I was singing it all week just to myself. It's a very quick song. It's only like two minutes long, but... Uh, it's a popular one. It's Yeah, it's I short, know. sweet, and to the point. Yep. I also found a really good cover, but I want, I want to play the original and then a bit of uh, the cover because it is... It's, it's one of the best things I've found in a little while. So, all right. Ooh, 
so you uh, really think she'll pull through hope so i uh i have an interesting um we'll, we'll see if they align okay but i want to see what your your girlfriend in a coma is okay it is a uh, mojo nixon okay a rockabilly group uh-huh. uh i think it's a yeah it's either a guy or a group i couldn't figure it out but he did a cover of the song Girlfriend in a Coma on his album Whereabouts Unknown. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a pretty interesting song. Like, it's a good cover through the first half of it. Mm-hmm. And then it gets super weird. So let's get to the like the middle. I could smell a hospital aroma. She was lying there like a loaf of bread. I said, baby, 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 are you dead? She said... Nothing at all. Now, most of y'all out there are thinking, Mojo, you're an insensitive idiot Whatever feeling you got in your body, it's so small, you can ram it up a gnat's ass and look like a, look like a BB in a boxcar. Yeah, well, don't blame me. Blame the writer of this song, Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> That fruitcake that sings in the Smith. Don't blame me. What a way to do that song. That's pretty great. He just riffs for like the funny thing is, so that's like a four-minute cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he does the original song for about, you know, two and a half, three minutes of the song. Mm -hmm. And then at some point he just writes new lyrics Mm -hmm. to a cover song that he's doing, and then just goes after Morrissey (laughs) towards the end of the song. It was great. Uh it was good. That's a good cover. So the the one that I'd like to uh, play, and I, uh, somehow I don't believe we've ever talked about this before, um, and the opportunities of when we would have talked about this are absolutely endless. Uh, Tyler, you probably heard of this. Jared, I would be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had heard of this. Have either of you heard of the Rockabye Baby um, series? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the uh, to explain the Rockabye Rockabye Baby series is um basically where they make lullaby renditions of everything. Yes. Almost every single artist that we have ever covered has a lullaby rendition. You've got The Clash, Fall Out Kanye. Boy, Kanye. We've got uh, I, I once, White Stripes, oh like everything. I once owned a uh, Coldplay one mm. uh, that I resold. And I did not really care about it. Fair. There was a Lady Antebellum one too, which is kind of weird. That is weird. I know that um, the first one that I think I saw was in a record store. It was Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. But there is an entire lullaby renditions of the Smiths. And there's another one, which is lullaby versions of the Smiths and Morrissey. But I think that's through Twinkle Twinkle Little Rockstar, which is (laughs) indeed a different thing. So... Let's play a little bit of the Smiths uh, Rockabye Baby song, Girlfriend in a Coma. just want to put your baby to sleep but also get to listen to the smiths there are ways there are ways yeah it's in uh on that website that i use to find the samples and the covers of things that i enjoy Mm -hmm. 
um, that Rockabye thing is on like every single thing. And it's like, I mean, I've seen it, but it's like, do I really care about this? You know, like it's not worth bringing up. I can't imagine a situation in which like we would need to play a, a Rockabye baby version of every no. single song no, because it's like literally like what we just heard is that. Yeah. It's so minimalist. Yep. Um, it's why it's they can bad. do like four or five albums a year easy. They just have to pick an artist and then do it. Do you guys, so to go go back to the, the topic we were at, do you guys think that The Queen is Dead is worth the uh, the hype that it receives as one of the best albums of all time or do you not stand in that same realm? I uh, I don't know. They all kind of blended, honestly, like the... That out, al- all of their albums that we listened to, none of them were like, like greater by leaps and bounds than the others mm-hmm. for me. You know, like they all, I found fun little songs that I liked. I enjoy his lyrics. I enjoy the the music. But like, the Queen is Dead is an album by the Smiths. It's mm-hmm. not like one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. That makes sense. What do you think, Tyler? I think it's a really great album. I think it certainly deserves a spot on a list as like top great albums. I don't deny that. Whether it's like for me, whether I would say it's like the greatest album of all time at this point is, you know, I don't know, is probably questionable. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like the what I like about some of the sounds uh, of the Smiths come from some of the earlier work. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some of the weird jangle pop stuff. Once I get into like this period, where they hit like like meat is murder is kind of weird and different and then when you get to the queen is dead i feel like they've kind of hit a stride of what the smith is mm-hmm. uh, but it's but it just it lacks some of the punch to me of some of the earlier stuff mm-hmm. so even for me like I, I don't know i have a hard time going back and forth between you know, is it, is it really like for me even the best Smiths album? I think it probably is. I think it for me it probably is their best album. But I have songs that were released as B sides or singles that I really find more intriguing and enjoy more Fair. than anything on the Queen is Dead. Like you know, this Charming Man is a great song, mm-hmm. their second most popular song, and I think it's an awesome song. And the guitar work in that song is really interesting and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, not an original track actually on their on their debut it was a u.s only track it's originally just an unreleased uh non-album single that is correct yeah and that thing like that's just a really interesting song or and i and i really think that like the what johnny marr has the ability to do in terms of like guitar work and kind of creating that sound is more prominent there i mean he does expand what he does and he adds strings and he starts to use different sounds and, and bring different things in as they go along. And on the queen is dead. It's a much broader sound, but as a person who typically finds himself enjoying the earlier works of bands that are a little raw or that are a little more like really have something about them that's uh, underdeveloped, which is what makes them so interesting in a way. It's kind of hard for me to say that this album is like huge. So I don't know. I it definitely deserves some, I definitely think it deserves being recognized as one of the greatest albums of all time. I really think it yeah. probably does because I think the Smiths have such a different thing going on uh, that you've got to recognize them in some way. And I think that that's a great way to do it. Yeah, that makes but, sense. Uh, you know, I, but I'm not sure that I would say that I like it's the best. You know, I think that 
and and it's really difficult to say like how hard how easy is it to say something like that you know like mm-hmm. when i think about things that i enjoy like I, honestly for instance just today i listened to the entirety of unknown pleasures by joy division which for me is an album that i would stick over this i would agree honestly. with that for sure you know so but that is kind of where personal preference puts its puts its place in you know and it's tinge on those things i uh i think because for me um i i do think that it's probably my favorite album from them barely i think that um it has more kind of memorable and um like songs songs that are going to stick with you than any of their other albums. I think that's kind of what puts it over is that they have so many songs on that album that really, really pack a punch. But I think as a full album, I actually think their debut is probably the one that I like better is like a full album. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I like the songs off of Queen is Dead more, but I think I would probably more often go back to the debut as a full album experience. Like, um, again, like like you said, this Charming Man is a good song. Uh, the Hand That Rocks the Cradle is a good song, and also somehow that song did not land on the Rockabye Baby version. That's ha- crazy. How did that happen? You messed up, guys. Did you look at the discography? There's a song called The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. You're not going to put that oh. song in to rock the cradle? I don't think so. Anyways, uh, you've got everything now. The uh, you know, Really, I don't feel like there's really any song. I listened to this album, like I think, four or five times this week. Oh, my. Just because like I put it on. And then I listened to it. And I was like, that's pretty good. And then I went back and I listened to it again. I was like, okay, that was pretty good. And then I, I like, I, for whatever reason, I just kept listening to it. And I was like, it kept growing on me more the more that I listened to it. I just didn't feel like I got enough out of it the first time, I guess. So. You're talking about the debut? Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's a really great album. I think it's gotten some really interesting. I think that all, like most of the interesting things I like about the Smiths lie in the realms of that album. Mm-hmm. I Although think, I do sorry, I really like, I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. To I do really that. like some of like the surf, like surf, even some country stuff that comes in on Meet Is Murder. I think it's kind of interesting to hear it through like the lens of Johnny Marr. But I think most of the things I find particularly interesting lie in the first release. I think my favorite song from that album uh, is a "Miserable Lie." Because he mm. does some super weird stuff vocally. If he'll play, uh, like get into, I think like two minutes and 15 seconds or something like that. Is uh, kind of uh, a Tiny Tim-esque almost with that. It's pretty that, weird. That uh, falsetto. I was, I mean, I was listening to that and I was like, this is, I got to bring this up because it was, he just goes so high. It's pretty cool. It's it's, it's a little, yeah, it's, it's very different from his usual it's, singing. Yeah, definitely. His usual singing is just so, like, I think that's maybe part of what makes it seem kind of drab and um, and kind of like, in a way, goth is, is the way that he his vocal delivery is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how do you make him? He's like he sings monotone without singing monotone. You know what I mean? It's kind of a cloudy sounding vocal delivery. I don't know how to describe it other than that. 
you know. I will say, I think that my favorite song, um, so like I said, like, like I said, I think The Queen Is Dead is the album that has kind of the most standout songs, and I think the one that I kind of returned to the, I ended up returning to the most is probably uh, Big Mouth Strikes Again. So yeah, it's a good one. I will play that. Sweetness, sweetness, I was only joking when I said I'd like to mash every tooth in your head. Oh, sweetness, sweetness, I was only joking when I said by rights you should be bludgeoned in your bed. And now I know my John of say too so uh speaking of the tracks on this album even ones that like i'm not particularly fond of you know they stand out to other people um you know if i you know like jared you said that you like frankly mr shankly Mm -hmm. um and patreon user david Mm. actually said that one of his favorites which is not one of the more obvious ones is in fact some girls are bigger than others oh yeah Mm. so should we play that for for david i think so all right let's let's play a little bit of some girls are are a music podcast i have just discovered some girls are bigger than others Some girls are bigger than others Some girls' mothers are bigger than other girls' mothers Some girls are bigger than others Some girls are bigger than others Some girls' mothers are bigger than other girls' mothers I definitely don't like I don't hate this song I don't think I think the lyrics don't land with me as much but I like the tone of the song quite a bit this is why like even even a song that like I don't love off of the album is still not a bad song yeah I think that that has certain musical qualities that are maybe Morrissey just ruined it with his lyrics let's say that I guess yeah because I do I think that uh, if I remember correctly actually Mar specifically said that he um, liked the music better than the lyrics to that song, which, you know, it's hard not to be the guy who writes the music and then say that he likes the music more than what the other guy did. But according, at the same time. according to Genius, the song is about breasts. Oh, and really? During a live performance, it says the only time the Smiths performed it live, which is interesting, Morrissey added a verse at the end. He put, on the shop floor, there's a calendar as obvious as snow, as if we didn't know. That's what he said. Hmm. And the song, according to Genius, is about breasts. Good to know. There's a, there's another um, thing that he does live uh, recently. I can't remember exactly which song it is, but he mentions a Walkman within the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in now modern live versions of the song, he will change that to iPod. And I guess now he has to, you know, update it again. Oh my! I don't iPhone. I, yeah, iPhone. Um, your your Spotify playlist. I don't know. So uh, he was going to be on Jimmy Fallon in two thousand and thirteen, 
and he canceled his appearance on Jimmy Fallon. Because, because Jimmy Fallon was eating meat. He learned that the guests that would also be on that night were the cast of Duck Dynasty. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Those things don't align. He referred to them as animal serial killers. I mean, Wait, Of course he did. I mean, that's not wrong. Yeah, there's some uh, legitimacy in that claim. They do kill a lot of ducks. It's kind of their whole yeah. thing. Well, it they just call them. <laughs> they, they call, call them. them over to be killed. Yeah. You sure, have to they make calls. Yes. Well, they're problematic it's, for more reasons than their duck calls, though. Yes, it is. They're both you know on they're... the far right, but different, differing far right. That's yeah. true. You'd think maybe they'd get along. Mm. You know, the calls are only, uh, the calls don't kill ducks. People kill ducks. You know, it's all about how you use it. I could just use that call to get them on over here and hang out. Like, come on over and hang out, ducks. Yep. Don't give come them bread. Mm, don't give them bread. Yeah, don't do that. It expands in their belly. It makes them sick. Oh my. It's true. Don't give bread. Don't, I almost said don't give bread ducks. Don't give, don't give bread, bread ducks. ducks. I still love. So, I still love the bit by uh, Mitch Hedberg about ducks. Just gonna throw that out there. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah. So the one thing that I think is interesting and cool about. Um, the Smiths is that they met with um, some people at Rough Trade and then they determined that they wanted to sign with them mm -hmm. and all of their albums were released through Rough Trade in the UK Sire for some of them in the US mm -hmm. and Rough Trade is just a really cool label like um, it just it's like I don't know it's kind of like a feel nice situation to know that all of their albums came out on that label well that's really because that's an independent label and like right. the idea of having an artist on an independent label get their first album to number two is wild yeah, in, in the it's 80s, crazy. like how do you do that? Like, what did they well, do to make that happen? Right. I wonder if like the label wasn't in a way kind of built by the Smiths, if you will, with regards to its ability to maintain a certain amount of popularity. Because like, I would have to think so. Like active artists on Rough Trade that are big and quite familiar are Arcade Fire, mm -hmm. Bell and Sebastian. One that I always think about when I think of Rough Trade that maybe some other people don't. Uh, I know you would would be Parquet Courts. Yes. They're a rough trade artists. Um, Destroyer is a rough trade artist. Indeed. So, and then Black Mini's album came out on there as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, rough trade is just a cool label, and I, I like it's just really interesting. And and I don't know that it's like I said, it's a feel good thing for me to be like, yeah, dude, you put all of your albums out on rough trade, and you're huge, and that's like really cool because it's a it's a label that like does some really interesting stuff and picks some really interesting people. Isn't Tours on there as well? T O R R E S. They may have had a couple of releases on there. I can't remember. But I don't sure. know. I'm not seeing because I a feel list as right if I remember correctly, there was an artist like Destroyer's new album came out on the same day as somebody else's, and I feel like they were both on Rough Trade. Not the point. Moving on. Hey Tyler, uh, what's your favorite Smith song? All right, so my favorite Smith song is uh, "How Soon Is Now," which was originally a B side to a single mm -hmm. uh, that they had released early on. It it was in terms of like locating it in their discography it's on the uh compilation hat full of hollow which is a, actually kind of like an interesting album as well i mean it's not it's a, co co a compilation so is it really an album and that's kind of questionable but the fun thing about like that specific compilation is that a majority of the, the recorded songs on there were not available at the time of that compilation's release mm -hmm. uh, and were released subsequently on the on the uh, debut or such as this song and this charming man and like some of those, well, you know, what have you, uh, this is the only place you can find them. 
which is cool because I feel like uh, this, I feel like Hat Full of Hollow catches some really interesting sonic moments in early Smiths. Mm. And I think that this song in, in and of itself uh, captures that as well. Cause this is kind of like the sound of this thing is like kind of like creepy. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like distant and yeah, it's just really interesting. And the way he's chosen to use specific effects. I think this is a Smith song that uses some sonic qualities that are really difficult to find in other Smith songs. I would agree well. with that. Yeah. So I just think it's really cool. And I really have uh, a lot of interest in the, in like the way that he's using the sound here. So I, I will say before I play the, this song, I, I do think it's worth mentioning there. They've actually received quite a bit of flack in, um, in history over the fact that they've released so many compilation albums. Like uh, a lot of people don't appreciate the fact that they kind of repackage their music on a, during that time. I don't think they've really done it as much anymore, but during, you know, the, their heyday, they were releasing like compilations and greatest hits and just a ton of material just to kind of bolster material. They had already, put out in they different had, ways. They had to make up for that 10% uh, that the other people didn't get. Yeah, exactly. So they had to just keep pumping out music so they'd be like, please, give me some scraps. Give me some, some bread for the birds. For the birds. Alright, let's play How Soon Is Now. Uh, if you are not listening on headphones, I would I would recommend it as a you know podcast listeners. It's got some interesting effects in terms mm-hmm. of like uh, the left right stereo business going on there. Tyler, repeat what you said. Is that not like almost a psych rock song? It's interesting. I know one person who definitely likes this song. Uh, play the song "Back from the Dead" by Kid Rock. Does any day of the week. Do I say fuck a lot when I'm talking? I feel like I say fuck. Yeah. Anyway, you don't know me it was a cool video, but uh back from the dead's my shit. It's a rare sight. Blacks and whites dancing together, dining together. That was on his second album, uh, The Polyfuse Method, in 1993. That was a little sample of the Smiths. How do you feel about that, Tyler? Well, you know, Kid is, uh, at least it wasn't on his, on his first one. Yep, the booty one. Yeah. Grits, sandwiches for breakfast. Breakfast, yep. At least it wasn't on there. At least he wasn't waxing the booty with the Smiths. (laughs) Never Could be worse. Could be worse. It's a killer song. Not his, the Smiths one. 
Right, 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 right. So, whatever, Jared, you can't bring me down. Jeez, I can, I can bring you up though. Uh, you can bring me up. There's another cover that I found this week. Uh, it is of uh, the song "This Night Has Opened My Eyes" by the mm-hmm. Smiths, and it's by At the Drive-In. Mm. Uh-huh. I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to bring it up, but I'm glad you did, Jerry. We both found a thing. That's exciting stuff, you know. When I find mm-hmm. something and you find something and we're both like, "Hey, look at this thing I found." And you're like, "Hey, I found that thing too." Yeah, and it's and we, and we like it, so that's cool. It looks like Ariel Pink also has a cover of this. That is true. There you go. The color of lead. Immerse the baby's head. Of the world, dump her on a doorstep, girl. This night has opened my eyes, and I will never sleep again. You kicked and cried like a bully child, a grown man of 25. It definitely sounds different than what you'd expect from at the drive-in. Yeah, for sure. It's no not. It's not a post-hardcore new no. or anything. Uh, they also on that album covered Pink Floyd, take up the stethoscope and walk as a part of their BBC session. It mm. looks like. So yeah, that's pretty fun. Like I said, that's a pretty cool album because it's a it's a uh, compilation album released after the band broke up of recordings made during their career. In hmm. various places. Hmm. I saw One Arm so, Scissors on there as well. That's pretty. People like that song a lot. It's probably their most well-known song, potentially. Which one? One Arm Scissor. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a big song. Run yeah, that's away. A, run away. Yep, yep. Relationship of Command. It spans their whole career, which is pretty interesting. And it spans a couple of different like, um, little interesting bits. So uh, pieces from various singles or various small EPs that were released as like a, almost kind of like a single EP situation. So pretty cool. Uh, I also found a couple of other um, covers that okay. are interesting that fit in with some of our preferences as, as uh, people who like music. Mm-hmm. Radiohead covered the Headmaster Ritual, which I think is a pretty cool song for Meat is Murder. Nice. That's the, the, day, the uh, opener from that one. I actually found that to be kind of a pretty interesting song. And um, I looked up a kind of a, some lists of uh, Smith's covers, and this one was um, numbered. And the number one on one of these lists, and it also appears on another list I found, is Jeff Buckley's cover of "I Know It's Over." Hmm. And the Queen is dead. People like which that I have not too. heard before. So oh, Hallelujah, that's what they like by him. He's a he's a yeah, cover well, man. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a Cohen. So. I also found a cover, Billy Bragg, who we did not cover for Billy Month on Good Bad Bad Band. How could we? we should have covered Never Had No One Ever. Uh, and then another one that we should play, because we haven't played this song, and I think it's a pretty popular song, is uh, none other than Mr. Puddle's Pity Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on um, America's Got Talent, but he has done YouTube for a long time, and he's a fun little guy, uh, older gentleman that paints himself like a, a clown and then sings songs uh, very well. Please, please, please let me get what I want is this Smith's cover posted two years ago. It looks like he's also done How Soon Is Now. 
Mm. This one I found, and I I like this one, so I listened to it at least. Good times for a change. See the luck I've had could make a good man turn bad. So please, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me get what I want this time. That's pretty. Yeah, I think that's a song we haven't talked about yet. That's worth bringing up to show some of what Morrissey brings to the group because I think the lyricism in that song is kind of, kind of nice. Mm-hmm. He definitely has some good songwriting moments. Uh, he pissed some people off on the first album when he wrote about um, children being murdered. Mm-hmm. But it, was, you know, it wasn't like a celebration of the situation. It was a real story that he was exploring lyrically. And, you know, eventually the family even was like, you know, I don't know if they were happy that he did it, but it's like they were upset that he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that one is pretty interesting. Uh, he had another... Um, I think it was the one um, off of Meet His Murder. I'm trying to remember which one it was called. I think it was um, Barbarism Begins at Home, if I remember correct. No, it was a Headmaster Ritual. Headmaster Ritual has some pretty interesting lyrics in it as well. So, you know, he definitely does bring something in terms of uh, his songwriting to the band. Mm-hmm. So I think that one thing that maybe we don't, because they are a band from the UK and we are here, we don't understand how much the Smiths meant to that country at that time. And as well as like Morrissey uh, is like a hero of that country by like leaps and bounds. For sure. Uh, That thing we were talking about with the meat, uh, not doing it at the Staples Center. Originally, Paul McCartney had requested that and they turned it down. And then Morrissey did the same thing Mm. and they obliged. So it's interesting that Morrissey had more power than McCartney. Than McCartney. Yeah. Uh, which I think that probably Morrissey, I don't know if he would sell more. I don't know. I don't know if he's bigger as a solo person than what Martin McCartney is as a solo person. You mm. know what I mean? Like, so what you're saying is is uh, Morrissey a bigger solo artist than McCartney, but not is the Smiths better than the Beatles? Correct. That makes sense. I don't know. That's a good question, actually. I don't. I'm not sure. He's not Sir Morrissey, so he's not been uh, knighted knighted by the Queen, who is dead, according to him. I bet he would not be knighted by the Queen. Uh, yeah, I, I I would like to know how her feelings are on on the, some of music like that. I, I want to know like what the Queen likes. In doing some research for our uh, when we're going to cover the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. Uh, album that'll be patreon exclusive so if you're not on patreon and you like the sex pistols uh just do it for that one month if you want and then forget and then we'll just keep taking your money but please uh the I, we will talk about this but i i'm interested to know how she feels about uh god save the queen mm-hmm. by the sex pistols because they just totally degrade her the entire time and that's interesting you know like people because she is more important than presidents in our country because yeah. she's been around way longer and she has more power. Mm-hmm. Than, well, I don't know about more pres- power, actually. Usually the royal family has a little bit less to do with politics well, and they're more representational. That makes sense. In a lot of ways. At least that's my understanding of, you know, yeah. Britain but politics. But she's been the face of that country for a long time. Like right. since like 1956, I believe. And yeah, we have a different 50. president 
every four to eight years, potentially mm-hmm. 12, depending on how this election goes. Right. My God. My <laughs> God. He's, yeah, it's, he's negotiating like a third term because he feels he deserves it. Nonsense, craziness. Oh, nonsense, craziness. He's a fascist. It's fine. He, he Anyways. Um, so, uh, on the on the crazy thing about the the queen, the timeline, the queen, the queen has been representative of the England for longer as my mother's entire life, the entirety mm-hmm. of her life. Yeah. yeah. And that, that means insane? that means that when uh, Sex Pistols released their song, you know, God Save the Queen, and the Smiths released The Queen is Dead, they're both talking about the same queen. Oh, I know. Queen. Like, and, and that queen is still the queen yep. that we have now. <laughs> like, yep. that's crazy. It's weird. It's wild, man. One thing that I found interesting, this is a full circle moment here, the cover for the Smiths' debut album, um, which I think is fairly notable in terms of uh, the ability to pick it out. Agreed. Um, is actually a still taken from Andy Warhol's 1968 film entitled Flesh. Mm-hmm. The actor who is in that is Joe Delascandro, who Joe Delascandro is known as being uh, a Warhol superstar and is mentioned in Lou Reed's song, Take a Walk on the Wild Time. Look at that. That's one of the people mentioned. So uh, we got a little bit of a, got a little bit of a uh, full circle boy there. Another thing that I think is kind of interesting about, and this is this is uh, more of a picture of um, British music at the time, or like where the Smiths kind of fit into certain things, uh, is that the Smiths are a band that is perhaps Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Levitt's character in 500 Days of Summer's favorite band. I don't know if you all have seen that movie or not. Yeah, it's been a long time. Good. It's, it's good. It's a good movie. It's a movie I didn't appreciate when it first came out, and I appreciate it a lot more over the past few years than I did at the time, but it's his favorite band and um, his, his view of the world has been skewed. The character's view of the world has been skewed in this movie by what they call sad British pop music. So uh, in the scene where you see him as a kid learning about this and like, and, and the, what they're trying to do to create the scene of, of what he listened to and what uh, made him think about it is uh, that album is on his wall. Uh, Pixies Doolittle is on his wall He's wearing a Joy Division shirt. And uh, so they're trying to, you know, so um, it's interesting. And then, of course, later on, you find out that uh, the Smiths are perhaps his favorite band. And that's the band that he bonds with Summer, uh, the character Summer with, uh, to begin with. That's kind of what starts the relationship, which is interesting. He also All best sings relationships Pixies. start with the Smiths. The Smiths, yep. And uh, he sings Pixies later on at, um, at, uh, karaoke bar which so song they're kind of so like it's just interesting to see which song? pop culture which song does he sing yes here comes your man good choice continue which of course yeah it's a pop song really the poppiest of their songs really um i just think it's funny because we're looking at a movie that i believe came out in 2009 so it would have been written uh, or at least uh put together around 2008 2009 so we're talking like 25 ish years later and where does pop culture place the Smiths and stuff like that? And it's funny because the cure isn't mentioned and the cure isn't like represented. I was thinking that. about that while you were mentioning artists. I was like, say the cure. Say yep. The cure. It's not. Though, it uh, it's, it's, like, it's not really. Is, yeah. It's I'm not, sorry. It's you not. said sad British music and you didn't immediately mention the cure. What? Yes. Which I, I think is interesting. I think it's interesting that uh, this, and this was a pretty sizable movie. It's a big movie. It wasn't like it, was, it went over without people noticing it. It's just right. weird to think that that's the people that they chose instead of the cure. But, um, you know, it's funny to see how pop culture in this regard um, 
through the works of a film references the Smiths 25 years later. That's pretty wild. I agree. So on that note, do we have any closing thoughts, parting words about the Smiths and Morrissey and such? I don't think so. They were interesting. They were a, a good group to cover. I'm glad we did. I agree. A lot of interesting things to unpack. It's been a while, Jared, since you said, I wish we didn't cover this band. That's good. Uh, yeah. Maybe next week. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's close. I it. might be doomed. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we've been talking about the Smiths. Next week we're going to be talking about the hip-hop artist MF Doom. Never heard of him? Or the place to check out to uh, learn about him? Check out our social media bits. Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash record roundtable. Trying to put more uh, material out on there so it's worth checking to see if it's worth your time. Of course, check out our website, recordroundtable.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye. I want to see people and I want to see